The interviews and discussions in this podcast are opinions only and not financial or investment advice. Listeners should obtain independent advice based on their own circumstances before making any financial decisions. This episode of the Stock Insiders podcast with me, Oriel Morrison, is sponsored by Barclay Pierce Capital, a leading Australian corporate advisory and equities trading firm. Focused on your vision, Barclay Pierce specialises in making it a successful reality. everyone and welcome to the Stock Insiders podcast with me, Oriel Morrison. Now today we're looking at the sports betting industry. It's a sector which is worth around $5.5 billion today, expected to grow by around about 5% this year alone. Now Racing and Sports is a betting data provider essentially, which is looking at a multi-million dollar listing in the very near future. So we'll be talking about that and of course much more. But joined, we're joined today by Stephen Crisp, the CEO of Racing and Sports. Stephen, welcome. It's an absolute pleasure to have you with us today. Thanks, Ariel. It's a pleasure to be here. I wanted to delve into a little bit about how you've got to where you are today. Obviously, Racing and Sports um, is a company that was co-founded by your father, Um, but you haven't stayed, your whole um, career hasn't been with Racing and Sports. You've sort of been with the company, left and come back. So tell us a little bit about your journey to get to where you are today. Yeah, look, it's a really uh, yeah, exciting journey for me uh, over the past 20 years, having uh, been involved with the company in, in a whole variety of ways in that time. But it really started um, after I left university and I you know, went off and joined the big consulting firms as everyone does and, uh, and did my, my obligatory couple of years working in that space when um, racing and sports was just in its early years at that point. And, uh, and Gary, my father, asked me if I'd be interested in coming back and working with them to build a lot of the technical infrastructure, you know, early on in those days. Uh, and what a great rush to, you know, as a young young man to sort of you know, go back and, and work in a startup in the you know, sort of start of the dot-com era and, uh, and you know, create some really interesting uh, digital information-based products. So I did that for five years, and um, in that time, you know, I, I did lots of weird and wonderful things with the company. Um, some of which were live streaming the Magic Million sales and uh, live streaming the the, um, the Melbourne Cup barrier draw. And we were the first company uh, to actually offer that and do that for um, you know for the Melbourne Cup um, uh, you know, carnival there. So that was a, a really great experience, and, and also great for the business to be you know, sort of a trailblazer in some of those early um, you know, online digital initiatives. Um, in that time, we also got involved in in data, and uh, and that sort of obviously led into where the company is today, I guess, in its ultimate um, state. But you know, it was such a wonderful experience to do that. But then, obviously, I um, I felt that it was time for me to branch out, and and I moved overseas with a, a different company and got involved in security and intelligence, uh, working in the UK, and that was a wonderful experience. I, I again did some uh, interesting work there. Um, all of it centered around you know data and intelligence and how that actually forms a, a you know a product um, and then obviously came back to Australia and then started my own business in in the same in intelligence and uh, and security and uh, it might seem that that racing and sports is a huge departure from that domain but it's actually not there's a lot of similarities in the way that we acquire data 
um, process data and create um, information and knowledge-based products in the intelligence world, as is with the racing and sports world. And obviously, my interest and passion with racing and sports um, was always there. And so it was such a great thing to be able to come back into the company now after such a long time where I've successfully built, run and sold a company. Uh, and now to transition back into the uh, the CEO role within racing and sports and uh, to head it up for its um, expansion plans into the future as we list on the ASX. So obviously, Stephen, your father, uh, Gary, is an entrepreneur and a very successful one um, at that. When you look at you look at the company, you look at racing and sports, do you think that that's just been, that's almost like a hereditary, a gift that's been handed down to you, that, that real drive to do your own thing? Or is this a learned, more of a learned, behavior. I mean, we have entrepreneurs all of the time saying, well, you know, this is something you can learn. Others say you're born with that sort of spirit. What is it from your perspective? Yeah, look, Gary is an entrepreneur and he, he's always been a, an out-of-the-box thinker, um, to use that sort of cliche. But, I mean, he's a civil engineer and an economist uh, and, you know, was actually awarded a Harvard scholarship um, going back, um, you know, 40 years ago, which he actually turned down to um, pursue his career within the racing uh, industry. So, um, but he's always been, you know, a risk taker in in business and not to say that he takes silly risks, but I think anyone in business has to be, you know, somewhat, um, you have an appetite for taking risk and, and being adventurous and innovating and having ideas. And, you know, I grew up with that, um, with that way of thinking, that way of operating and taking calculated risks to, you know, to uh, further you know the company to to take opportunities when they arise and uh, and also to execute and um, you know the old adage of fail fast. I mean that's alive and well. You know if you have an idea and it and it works, then great. If it doesn't work, pick yourself up again and work out a way that it will work. And I think the company and particularly Gary are um, you know have have just really got that in their DNA. Uh, and I suppose you know I do now as well. I mean I've uh, I've always um, you know backed myself to succeed. And that's um, and that's been in everything that I've done, whether it be working for a big four, running my own company, or now coming back in with the racing and sports family and uh, and growing uh, you know, growing this entity to a you know, to a, a true global um, organisation to take on uh, you know take on the world market. How much more pressure do you feel, or, or or do you think that you you probably feel being part of the family and and having that family name? Yeah, look, I mean, definitely there is um, yeah, pressure to succeed, but certainly not something that keeps me awake at night. I mean, I'm you know, well accustomed to, to having to succeed. And, you know, um, even in my own company, I looked after 40 people who, 40 employees who work for me. So it was quite a sizable organisation. And, you know, it's just a matter of listening to people and understanding their needs, uh, understanding how the company needs to function, understanding what our triggers and drivers and levers for growth are, uh, and using all of those elements uh, to your best advantage. And, uh, yeah, look, I'm certainly looking forward to the challenge ahead of me. And uh, I think it's going to be a, a great ride for, you know, f- for me personally, but also everyone who works for racing and sports around the world. What happens um, in the instance, Stephen, that Gary doesn't agree with something that you're, that you're doing? I mean, you're leading the company now, obviously, um, and it's normal for, for family members, if not colleagues, to not always agree on, on company direction, on strategic direction. What happens if it's because you guys, of course, are family and you're a very, very close-knit family? What happens when there are disagreements on strategy? Yeah, look, really good question. Um, Gary is still heavily involved in the executive team. Um, he's an executive director uh, on the board and uh, also 
the chief commercial officer. So he's working very closely with me. Uh, you know, we work um, you know, very closely on a daily basis. And look, um, like all um, working relationships, there are disagreements, but um, I guess he and I have the, the benefit of, um, you know, um, a long time working together and, uh, and also knowing how each other functions. So I know Gary intimately, I know how he thinks, I know what his drivers are. He understands me to the same degree. So it is actually a really harmonious working relationship uh, with he and both Robert Volkaitis, the other founder of the business. And um, yeah, it's definitely something which uh, hasn't been an issue and I can't see it being an issue. So Racing and Sports is, is a slightly different company to what its name suggests because it's not just a, a betting company. It provides the data, uh, the software as a service solutions to the global racing and wagering industries. Talk to us a little bit about the company itself. Yeah, look, racing and sports. I mean, it started its life as a digital, um, you know, digital data and news presence, um, and that soon evolved into being, you know, more of a B two B supplier, and and has been a B two B supplier for almost that twenty years. Um, the racing sports name is really a, you know, a broad catch all for all the types of things that we do, and and the digital media side of the business is still with us today and growing quite uh, considerably. Uh, we have some exciting plans for future expansion in the digital media side uh, as well, which is um, you know which is wonderful for the the business to really take on that um, you know B two C style presence and, uh, and and start promoting more products, more services, more data to the consumer directly, uh, as well as that B two B part of the business, which is really our bread and butter about providing high quality content, editorial, uh, enhanced information um, to our our wagering operator customers uh, around the world. So. Um, and the wagering technology side, I mean, that's really the newest part of the business, which is um, really centered around, you know, our trading and our fixed odds price manager uh, for wagering operators to use. And we've had a lot of early success with that. So, I mean, the racing and sports brand and name is synonymous with our quality around the world. Our customers are very sticky. They've been with us for a long time. There's a lot of trust um, from them to us to provide that high quality information and content and technology services that they rely on every day. Talk to us, Stephen, about this very exciting IPO that's happening later this month. Yeah, look, it's a real, uh, you know, culmination of a lot of uh, effort and work from uh, from many people over the last twelve to eighteen months, and uh, it, it really will take the business to a new level. I mean, the whole point of the uh, the IPO is to raise funds and capital for the international expansion, uh, as well as the enhanced uh, product development as well. So it'll just supercharge our plans um, to uh, to you know grow the business at scale quickly uh, into new new regions. So it's a really exciting time. I mean, racing and sports started as a very small company twenty years ago. It had uh, you know three people working for it. Where it is today is a vastly different place. We have offices in Colombo, um, in London, outside London, uh, in Canberra, soon to be Melbourne, and in the US planned for 2022, you know, and that's a, a very different story to what it was when the, the company first began. Well, in fact, the IPO itself has changed over the last uh, couple of months because you were initially planning or hoping to raise around $20 million, but that's been boosted by almost $10 million by bringing on board Labroke's owner in Tain. That's great news. It is, yeah. It's a really good uh, vote of confidence in the racing and sports business as well uh, to have Entain come in for a, a large stake. I mean, they um, they see what racing and sports does as a, a cornerstone of the racing industry, and particularly here in Australia, where we provide content and data and services, um, you know, to the Entain group. So it's a real, you know, vote of confidence that um, you know for us to continue providing that that high quality information to all of our customers, including uh, the Entain um, brands as well. So something we're really looking forward to looking at commercial opportunities into the future. 
um, with them as well. You you, you just mentioned uh, before, Stephen, just to pick up on one of your points, your your plans to use some of the capital to move into the States. Now, I know you already have established some relationships in the US, but what is the process going to be for establishing a, a proper footprint in, in the US, given every state seemingly has different regulations around yeah, that's right. Look, it's really going to be around getting a, a solid understanding of the landscape, um, which we already have a very good understanding um, of the landscape and the first movers in that space. Uh, however, it'll be a partnership model with our partner on the ground over there in um, in the US, uh, as as well as you know having a um, a physical footprint with a, a small team um, to actually help us grow and expand the business into that region. I don't think it's going to happen quickly. The states are all legislating at their own pace, and I think there's a lot of hurdles to jump. However, when that that market does come online. I mean, the total uh, addressable market over there is massive and, um, you know, it's really quite an immature wagering market in comparison to Australia, even the UK. So that's a really exciting opportunity for us to be involved in. And I really think we need to have our ducks in a row and understand exactly what the strategy is for the US uh, before we go spending money over there and burning cash, which is not how we operate our business. So once you once you are established in the US, which is, uh, as you've been talking about, that, that footprint's going to be established across uh, 2022. Uh, what What's next for you in terms of uh, geographical expansion? Because you already sell to operators, Australia, UK, Europe, parts of Asia. Um, so, so what comes next for you? Really, it's around the product development, um, Aurel. I think it's around the wagering technology and services side of the business is to continue enhancing um, the product suite that we have, um, You know, the amount of automation that we provide, um, and also some additional digital um, information-based products for wagering operators and for customers directly in and around horse racing um, and uh, thoroughbred and harness, as well as new sporting events. Um, sports for us is something which we've um, we've got great ambition to get involved in to start creating sports analytics and sports um, you know, information products that can be sold to our B two B clients and as well as our B two C clients through our digital assets, uh, including um, mobile applications. Well, that focus on tech that you just alluded to has been paying off for you, hasn't it? I mean, you are leveraging automation um, for for the less informed amongst us or those who don't know so much about um, technology and, and how this sort of things works. Can you take us through how all that pays out? Yeah, it does. So look, in terms of um, capitalising on the automation and the technology that we've developed, I mean, it's been a, a long process to develop a, a processing framework within the organisation that allows us to uh, consume process uh, and produce products on global racing around the world uh, every day. Uh, and that uses a lot of um, normalization and, and checking on the data to make sure it's of the right quality. We have a team in Sri Lanka who is responsible for data curation and data quality. Uh, and that process runs seamlessly now 24-7. Um, you know, the wagering product uh, development side of the business is all about building a software as a service-based product. So you build it once and you can sell it multiple times. Um, one of the racing and sports uh, value adds is that we... Uh, have a very experienced IT team in-house and they are able to customise and develop products for clients, uh, bespoke products for clients should they need them, which really sets us apart from our competition. Now, your uh, racing and sports is profitable. Um, you've got revenue climbing strongly. Um, what can we expect out of your numbers over the next 6 to 12 months? Yeah, look, racing and sports is really in a growth phase going forward and, you know, I think um, it's been a great, um, you know, start to the financial year and I think that that um, sort of trend is continuing um, into into the, you know, the, um, the new calendar year. Uh, and look, it's a certainly a, a wonderful time for us to be in the market. There's a lot of opportunity and we plan on um, going after it all with uh, 
a renewed uh, energy with the uh, the uh, listing behind us. What, what sort of competition do you have uh, around the world, Stephen, at this point? Because again, you are a, a unique company. Yeah, definitely. Look, we don't really have a lot of direct competition. I mean, there are companies that compete on parts of the racing and sports business. However, you know, the trading platform, the pricing manager, the other wagering technologies that are in development, the high quality content and data, the fact that we own our own database and we have it all normalized and enhanced with our own form and performance ratings, and also the digital and media assets to enable us to cross-promote uh, different racing jurisdictions around the world uh, to new markets as well with enhanced product. I mean, there really is no natural competitor that sits across all of those uh, those streams of our business. So we really do sit as a bit of an outlier in the market, being able to provide uh, customers with essentially uh, all of their needs in terms of advertising content, uh, tech development, whatever they need. Do, do you see that changing as the, the role that data is playing in our world is becoming more and more imp- important, if not essential? I think uh, you've always got to be looking uh, behind you, in front of you and beside you to see what you, uh, you know people are doing and if there are any new competitors in the market. I mean, racing and sports has always been a hugely agile and innovative company uh, and often leading from the front. I think it's probably safe to say that a lot of people have actually copied what we've done over the years, which is a great um tick in the box for, and validation for what we do as a company. But racing and sports is, you know, really out on its own. I think it'd be a long, arduous process for someone to try and catch us in a lot of the spaces that we play. You know, you talked about um, the expansion process that you're considering going through and, and, and do opportunities that you're looking at and how that you want to uh, become much uh, more involved in sports itself as well as, well as uh, the racing and obviously wagering side of things. Does this include esports? Does this include the digital world um, that we're, of course, seeing growing very, very rapidly? Yeah, look, it does. Uh, we already have a esports database we've been working on for quite um, some years now, uh, in, you know, actually uh, collating that information and data and getting it into a format that we can use for productization. So it's really um, you know finding the right time to to pitch those products to the operators as that um, sport you know comes uh, comes of age as well. So yeah, look, it's definitely a, a natural thing for racing and sports to get involved in, given esports has now really become quite a uh, a prominent um, you know code, I guess, in in the world of sports. We've talked um, before about almost virtually being a, a borderless society when, when it comes to the digitization and innovation in, in the tech space. And you've also spoken before about um, your need to, I suppose, tailor your products to the market that you're in. Does that include the sports that you are involved in? You know, obviously, different sports, different countries, different passions. Uh, how does that work in relation to what you do? Or do you bring all sports everywhere look it'll be uh, really around um, tailoring the content for the end user so um, i think as with racing there's um you know increased participation by punters when they can actually uh, look at a you know a product understand it and then uh, participate in terms of wagering so we'll have the same approach with sports as well as being able to uh, to take a sporting code produce products and have that in an exportable format to um, a country or a region um, in the format that they can understand and consume so uh, the content itself will be essentially the same in terms of the information that's provided, but just presented in a way, you know, a way that is actually consumable by um, you know, a punter or a consumer uh, in that uh, that region. So very important. All right. Um, Stephen, look, it's an, been an absolute pleasure to have this time for you, with you today. Thank you so much for coming to chat to us. Obviously an incredible story and, and congratulations to you and, of course, all of the family on the journey that you've been through to get the company 
where it is today. I'm really looking forward to watching you on listing day. Thanks, Oral. Yeah, wonderful. I'm really looking forward to speaking again in the future. Absolutely. Stephen Crisp with us uh, there. Stephen, thank you once again. Of course, thanks also to all of our supporters and our listeners today. You are listening to Stock Insiders with me, Oriel Morrison. We'll see you next time. This episode of the Stock Insiders podcast with me, Oriel Morrison, was sponsored by Barclay Pierce Capital, Australia's leading corporate advisory and equities trading firm. Barclay Pierce Capital provides specialised corporate advisory and equities trading services to privately owned businesses, small to medium-sized public and ASX-listed companies.